plugged in, Chris? I am plugged in. Welcome to the Plugged In Podcast. What up, I, people? I am Chris from Twitter. I am Joe. And before we get this show on the road... Cheers, my brother. Cheers here. Had a crack open a brew. Couple of Stella's free, courtesy of the Oakland days. Oh, that's pretty good right there. That's pretty good right there. 12.30 on a Saturday morning, a Saturday afternoon, excuse me. Oh, that's perfect. All right. Now, before we get started, we're just going to go ahead and break down what we got coming up for you guys today. Uh, we got a little bit of fantasy football. Last episode, we broke down um, some receivers and our potential sleepers and bust. Today, we're going to go over our top 15 running backs, talk about the sleepers and busts that we have. Um, we'll be talking about the Oakland Athletics, how their second half has been going so far, um, some of the um, pitching arms that they acquired, and then we'll also be talking about the Granky to Houston move and um, some kid that got signed uh, for throwing 96 miles an hour. Next. Next. Um, and then we'll also talk about Draymond Green's extension um, and the NBA releasing the Christmas schedule. Um, but right off the bat, we have Joe coming in with his top 15 running backs. Yeah, man. I mean, fantasy football is right, you know, it's right around the quarter. Those drafts are starting to come, are going to be starting up soon. So it's got a couple of running backs, you know, 15 that I think everybody should probably be watching out for. Um, that would definitely be uh, pretty much the focal point of your, of your team. Um, All right. So who you got at number one? Uh, I got Saquon Barkley. I mean, the Giants. I've been decimated by injuries at wide receiver. They got Sterling Shepard hurt. They got well, not even not even just Sterling Shepard hurt, but they got the four game suspension for uh, Golden Tate um, for for the uh, PEDs. He's he's an all purpose back. Just looking at the numbers, so I've got 261 carries, um, five yards a carry, 81 rushing yards a game. Um, but the money number is just guys who can catch out of the backfield. He had 91 receptions last year on 121 targets. Um, and I just think that speaks to not having receivers last year. So that, that number is projected to go down to about 77. Um, four receiving touchdowns last year, 11 rushing touchdowns last year. Uh, so he just looks like he's going to be the focal point of that offense and, and just be an all-around beast. I mean, Saquon Barkley, I mean, he had a fabulous, fabulous rookie year. I mean, he won rookie of the year. I mean, he basically essentially carried the Giants on his back offensively. I mean, you still had you, you still had OBJ, you know, but Saquon Barkley was everything. was Mr. Do-It-All for, uh, for the Giants. Okay. So, Saquon at number one. Who do you have at number two? I love this guy, Alvin Kamara out of uh, New Orleans. I mean, this guy does it all, too. I mean, he catches. He runs. I mean, he's like, you know, just a human joystick. Everybody will say Tyreek Hill is uh, like the human joystick. This guy here is just an all-purpose back. I just love his game, and he fits perfectly for what the Saints like to do offensively. Very similar to Saquon in the sense that he had a lot of rushing yards last year, um, but also out of the backfield, he had 81 receptions on – 100 targets, five receiving touchdowns, um, eight rushing touchdowns. This year he's projected, or actually, I'm sorry, I was looking at 2017. 
In 2018, he had 14 rushing touchdowns with four receiving touchdowns, 105 targets, and 81 receptions. Um, very similar um, years, the past two years in terms of yardage. Um, let's see. 826 yards receiving in 2017, 709 in 2018, 728 rushing yards, 2017, and 883 in 2018. And and just let me ask, is he still going to be splitting that backfield with Mark Ingram? No, Mark Ingram is actually in uh, Baltimore now. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you already know Baltimore is going to probably be playing. Uh, it's going to be running the ball with Lamar Jackson. So Alvin Kamara is pretty much the guy. But it's funny that you um, that you said that he might split time because he the, the Saints actually signed Latavius Murray. Oh wow! Yeah, Latavius Murray is going to be able to split a few of those uh, touchdown um, inside, maybe inside the red zone. He's going to be a good uh, good back for them. Okay, but that de- yeah that that definitely looks very opportunistic for. Camara to to come in and just show his stuff. Yeah, I mean Drew Brees. I mean as long as Drew Brees is your quarterback, I mean hey, you got opportunities to 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 make the Pro Bowl to put up big numbers. And Alvin Kamara, the first two years in the league, especially like I said with with Brees as his quarterback, has just done a tremendous job for a Saints team that is like on the cusp of uh of uh going to the Super Bowl. They have the team uh ready to to get to the next step and finally win another title. Okay, number three. Oh, man. Um, the guy that's in the contract holdout, Zeke Elliott. I mean, this guy, to me, is the Cowboys' offense. I mean, he's, you know, in a contract uh, holdout with the Cowboys. I mean, he, even though he has two more years left on his deal, he out, he's outperformed it. But I, to me, if he's, if, he's, if he's in camp, he's ready to go, he's definitely a running back you want to take. 305 carries. 304 carries last year. Workhorse. 1,434 yards, 4.7 yards a carry, six rushing touchdowns, um, 77 receptions on 95 targets, and three touchdowns um, all purpose. So, I mean, you don't think that he's very important to the success of the Cowboys and Dak Prescott? I mean, you just you just rattle off the numbers right there. I mean, even though the man missed uh, six games last year because of, um, you know, because of uh, suspension, the man still almost had a thousand yards. Right? If 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 he holds out into the regular season, does that help or hurt Amari Cooper? I think fantasy wise, not uh, not as a team. Of course, it's going to hurt the Cowboys. I think it could help him um, because the Cowboys are going to find themselves in games where we're going to be having to throw the ball. And, okay. I mean, and 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 Amari Cooper is going to be a beneficiary of that. Yeah. Okay. Number four. <laughs> the guy that has reset the running back market for guy for running backs getting paid, Le'Veon Bell, who also tweeted an apology. Oh, why wouldn't he not? I mean, yeah. he, I mean, the guy. A lot of people took him first overall last year. I mean, I, I I hate to admit it, you know, in one draft I did. I mean, I was hoping that hey, you know, eventually he was going to get signed by by the Steelers. Were going to realize hey, this guy's important. They're going to give him the money, but he never he never showed up and. To him, I think it was a smart move. He stayed healthy, got his money with the Jets. All right, and his last season that he played was 2017. He had 321 carries, 1,291 yards, averaged four yards a carry, nine touchdowns rushing, 85 receptions on 106 targets, um, and two receiving touchdowns. He had 11 total altogether, I mean, in 20, his last year. And that right there – 
you said how many carries again? 321, something 321. like that? 321. Running backs don't go for 300 carries anymore. And that, and he took a full year off? His body's fresh. Yeah. That man is – that to me – I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if he is the first running back off the uh, off the board for a lot of people. But from a lot of the mock dra- lot of the mock drafts that I've read and, and I've seen, a lot of people are high on um, on Saquon, Saquon Barkley. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, at number five, who do we have? David Johnson. Now this guy is going to probably get a lot of a lot of run in Arizona. I mean, they got a rookie quarterback. The man is is a stud at running back. I mean, before he got hurt in uh, 2017, where he missed pretty much the entire year, the man rushed like the man was like the focus focal point of the Cardinal offense. Had over 1,600 yards the year before he got hurt. Um, he catches the ball out the backfield. Um, he's going to be a security. He's going to be probably the overall security blanket for uh, for the rookie Kyler Murray. All right, and just running down the numbers, let's see what we have here. We have in 2018, um, coming back off the injury, 258 carries for 940 yards, 3.6 a carry, seven rushing touchdowns, um, 50 receptions off 76 targets, and three receiving touchdowns. That just shows you how productive the man is. I mean, right after coming back from a major wrist injury and in that he suffered in the first game, the man came, comes back and almost runs for a thousand yards. It was just unbelievable. And like I said, he's a, he's he's big in the passing game. That could help. That should help out the rookie uh, acclimate to the league. All right. Next up, we have the white running back himself, CMC the Great, Christian McCaffrey. This guy here, I think he is the security blanket for Cam Newton. The guy is unbelievable. He's been he's been fantastic since he's came out of uh, Stanford. Um, he is to me an offensive coordinator's dream. He can line him up in the backfield, line him up at wide out. Right, you put him anywhere on the field. The man is productive. Cam Newton to me, if he's if he's a hundred percent, he's going to benefit from having Christian McCaffrey in the backfield and just on the team. Period. He averaged 4.5 yards a carry. Say that again. 4.5 yards a carry on 231 carries. That's That comes up to 1,039 yards, 8 rushing touchdowns, 89 receptions on 118 targets, 5 receiving touchdowns. You made a point earlier before we, get, we came on that he reminds you of Wes Welker in the backfield, right? Yeah, pretty much is just in terms of how Wes Welker was always catching that short underneath right. stuff and, and then getting the yards after the catch. Wes Welker was never really – did he ever play running back? No, no, no. Okay. Um, I do feel like I remember seeing a couple of formations where they would have him – or was that Julian Edelman back there? I mean, you could honestly, it's a, it's a white guy in New England playing <laughs> wide receiver or running back. It could be a, it could be 100 guys. Yeah, but just, just the comparison in terms of like, you know, the, the guy catching all the – the dinks and dunks right and then just you know of course his his ability to run and make people miss um and just him being elusive is is something that 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 he can do above and beyond what Wes walker can do um but he's he's just primed to have a breakout season this year um and doing a lot of the backfield work on his own yeah i mean he's he's uh, definitely like i said uh chris mccaffrey is 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 a security blanket for cam newton um carolina's offense you know does a lot of dink and dunks um dj moore their second year wide receiver is going to be pretty much their uh their top um 
top uh, playmaker. They still have um, um, Greg Olson at, t- at tight end, but the running back, Chris McCaffrey, is really what makes that offense go. Oh, and you know what? I actually read his projections for this year. He's projected to average 4.5 yards a carry. He averaged 5 yards a carry last year on 219 and 1,098 yards. He had 107 receptions on 124 targets and 6 receiving touchdowns. So those those projected numbers are actually a little less than what he, you know, produced last year. Um and he had a monster season last year. So we'll we'll see what he does this year. There was only 9 running backs last year that ran for 1,000 yards. So that just goes to show you that running backs were becoming more diverse. Yeah. Catching the ball out the backfield is becoming real key. Yeah, and and a lot of a lot of teams are doing running back by committee nowadays. So that that's the thing that makes it difficult with running backs is that a lot of times you're gonna have a number two who, if they're not splitting, they're probably getting maybe like a third of the action or maybe coming in as a third down back. Um, but again, that CMC at number six. At number seven, we have Todd Gurley. This guy has become very, very questionable this year heading into training camp with that knee injury. But, you know, he's still uh, he's still a good back. He helped the Rams make the Super Bowl last year. Um, the guy is the guy is pretty much the Rams offense. I mean, the, the offense is built around this guy. They ran runs the, the, the deep zone reads. Uh the 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 runs up the gut i mean he's he's really really uh a huge part of the of the rams offense all right and in 2018 he had 256 carries for 1251 yards 4.9 yards a carry um sheesh 17 rushing touchdowns 59 receptions on 81 targets and four catches for touchdowns (laughs) <laughs> the man was up there of a huge part of them going to the Super Bowl last year. Um, he's, his production doesn't change at all. I mean, they're going to get Cooper Cup back as another wide receiver, but Todd Gurley is is a guy that fantasy owners do love. If if he's when he's healthy, he's probably probably the best back out there. Agreed. Um, after Gurley coming in at number eight, we have Melvin Gordon, who is currently also in a contract situation with the San Diego Chargers. Uh, L.A. Chargers. I know. Hey, it's, it gets. It gets. I know. Yeah. It, it That's gets, funny. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, come on now. Like the the San Diego Chargers should be in San Diego, but the Los Angeles Chargers, they are on a cusp of a potential Super Bowl bid. And this guy is a huge part of the, where they want to go. They, I mean, he is their he is their bell cow, and he wants to be paid like one. But the Chargers are not going are not budging on uh, giving him the, uh, him that hundred million. With the Los Angeles Chargers, he right. <laughs> he had 175 carries for 885 yards. He missed a couple of games though. 5.1 yards a carry, 10 rushing touchdowns, 50. 50 receptions on 66 targets with four receiving touchdowns. So he's got a nice set of numbers um, coming into the year. Just the, you know, the issue is, will he get that contract situation out the way? I mean, also, also the, um, the chargers do have a, a deep running back room too. I mean, they still have Austin Eckler, um, 
Um, Josh Jackson, I believe, is another running back that they, they're high on. So, I mean, like we were saying before, that a lot of the running backs, you don't have the 25 to 30 carry backs anymore. They're all going off a of committee. And the and for the for the Rams, excuse me, for the Chargers, the Chargers have their bell cow, but they're not afraid to to let guys like Austin Eckler run the ball, be the main car, uh, carrier. Um, so, so really, with 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 um, Melvin Gordon, is he willing to just come to camp and play under that five point three million dollar um, price tag that he'll have for this coming season? That's a good question. Um, after Melvin Gordon at number nine, who do we have? Joe Mixon, and this guy here, this guy right here, is a dark horse for me because okay. because he last year. Like I said, there was only nine running backs that had over a thousand yards. He was one of them. This guy plays, and he's he's got a new. He's going to have a new coach, who's an offensive guy, and Zach Taylor out in uh, Cincinnati. Um, AJ Green is going to be out for a couple of games, so they're going to be relying on this guy a little bit more. They do have Tyler Boyd. They just signed at wide receiver. They just signed a massive uh, extension to, but Joe Mixon is to me their their fo- is going to be the focal point of their offense. He runs the ball and catches it well. I like the point that you made about AJ Green being out a little bit. So, you know, I think the weight of the world will be on that guy's shoulders. Um, he has 263 carries, or actually in 2018 he had 237 carries for 1,168 yards, 4.9 yards a carry, eight rushing touchdowns. He had 43 receptions on 55 targets for one receiving touchdown. Um, he's projected to have the same amount of receiving touchdowns this year um, and the same amount of rushing um, touchdowns. A few more carries. Um, but it, it does look like it's going to be a season for him where he builds off the one he had last year. Yeah, I mean, Joe Mixon is, I mean, he's he's by far their bell cow. I mean, they got rid of, uh, they got rid of uh, uh, Josh Hill, their running back. Um, so they went ahead and said, you know what, Joe Mixon, you are – you are our guy, and he can he can he's explosive. He stays healthy. Um, he only you know missed a couple of games, but he, fourteen games is you know suited up. I mean that's that's dur that's you know that's durability right there. Yeah, it looks like he's primed for a big season. Um, at number ten, we have the kid out of Green Bay, Aaron Jones. This guy here is you know one of, is like an unsung player. I mean, he's you know Green Bay has had you know has had some hits and misses with running backs. They even had Ty Montgomery, who we know out here from uh, from his days at Stanford, playing uh, running back. They didn't have uh, a legitimate guy back there. But this Aaron Jones guy, I mean, he can play ball. He can ke- he can run the ball. He can catch the ball. And he's a good – and he's another, you know, a security blanket for uh, quarterback um, Aaron Rodgers. Last year, he averaged a monstrous five and a half yards a carry. Say that one more time. Five and a half yards a carry. That's 728 yards on 133 carries. He had eight rushing touchdowns. He had 26 receptions on 35 targets for a touchdown. Um, This year, he is expected to pick the load up a little bit and bump that number up to 218 carries. Um, and it looks like, you know, he'll have another pretty good season. He's projected to have about seven touchdowns um, out of the backfield and another receiving touchdown. Um, but, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, you know, there's there's always a potential to, to get a lot of 
touchdowns out of the air. I mean, Aaron Jones, he he only played 12 games last year. He he had a couple of little nicks and um, a little injuries here and there, but imagine him playing a full season. Those numbers could go up. I agree. It, you, you never really know. And they got a new coach out there um, that doesn't have this contentious relationship with Aaron Rodgers. So, so you don't know how that offense is going to play, but I anticipate that if you have arguably the best quarterback in the game, it's not going to get any worse than it was last year. You heard what happened to the, um, well, their new head coach, um, their new head, their, their new head coach. He ended up um, getting injured, um, tearing his, he tore his Achilles. Did he? In a pickup basketball game, <laughs> of all things. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So he, he gonna be he gonna be riding a scooter around the sideline then. Yes, Matt Lafleur, Matt Lafleur, um, the coach of uh, the the new head coach of Green Bay. Um, yeah, he's been on the one of those. Uh, yeah, those, those, those the trikes, scooters. The scooters. Yeah, the scooters where you have yeah. the, the 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 one leg up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen a couple of people <laughs> people ride those around. Um, but after Aaron Jones, we do have Nick Chubb. Okay, one of the one of the running backs out of that three-headed monster out in Cleveland. We talk about uh, running backs by committee, man. We talk about it a lot. And Cleveland, to me, probably has a good stable. They're up there um, in terms of teams that have three good starting running backs. They're probably up there at the top of the list. I mean, you've got got Chubb, who was four yards, I believe, from 1,000 yards in his rookie year. He was a rookie of the year finalist that went to uh, Saquon Barkley, and uh, his teammate um, Baker Mayfield was also in the, in the running, too. Duke Johnson Jr., um, this guy is pretty much their receiving running back, third down guy, gets 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 in and out of the cuts, can catch the ball. But if remember, they also got... Um, they also got Kareem Hunt, who they uh, who they mm-hmm. picked up from the from the uh, from the Chiefs, but he's going to miss uh, the first eight games of the season from uh, from his, his suspension. So Nick Chubb is a guy that um, fantasy owners should look at uh, early on in the season. Gotcha. It looks like he had 192 carries on, like you said, 996 yards, four short of short of a thousand. Um, he averaged 5.2 yards a carry. Eight rushing touchdowns, twenty receptions on twenty-nine targets, um, and had two touchdowns in the air. He can catch the ball, yes, he can. Yeah, and so for a total of ten touchdowns last year, um, it does look like he's going to build on that number just because Kareem Hunt is going to be out the first half of the year, serving that suspension. Um, but he'll be, you know, he'll be splitting the workload with Duke Johnson and whoever else they might have, you know, pinned at the number three spot while Kareem Hunt serves his suspension. Um, but he does look like he's primed to have another big season with the Browns, especially with um, OBJ joining the squad. That offense is getting a lot of hype. That offense in Cleveland is getting a lot of hype, and Nick Chubb is a good. It's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that go- works with them. Um, but that's again Nick Chubb at number eleven. Um, at number twelve, who do we have? An oldie but a goodie, Devontae Freeman out of Atlanta, and. This year, he won't be splitting any more carries with Tevin Coleman. Yes, Tevin Coleman is actually part of another uh, three-headed monster um, uh, stable out in San Francisco with Jared McKinnon, Matt Breida. Yeah. Okay. We don't want to hear about the Niners right now, though, Joe. Stop it. Hey, come on now. You know, <laughs> if I got a chance to talk about my Niners, I will. But, no, um, it's in all seriousness, um, Devontae Freeman is a is a good running back. He he's just he kind of scares me with the with his injury history. Mm-hmm. Um, concussions, he, right? Concussions has been a big part of his um, his deal. Um, he left. 
I want to say last year he suffered, uh, the year before he suffered uh, multiple concussions and barely played. That's dangerous, man, because you, I mean, he's not a big dude. He's he, not. He's elusive. He's quick. He's a speedy guy. Um, and so he's he really. He doesn't barrel over people. You're right. He, he's going to be looking to avoid big collisions this year. And that's just, that's a difficult thing to ask for any running back because the, the nature of that position, you know, the shelf life. Yeah, the shelf life of a, of a running back um, is sadly is the apparent, you know, three, three, three and a half years. And, and, and a guy, especially at running back, I mean, you're taking concussions um, just on the regular, you might have to rethink your priorities. But Atlanta's got another running back in the backfield to, to, to shoulder some of the load. Edo Smith, um, the kid had, you know, in 14 games last year, he had 90 carries for 315 yards and four touchdowns. But that was also he was sp- uh, splitting time with Tevin Coleman, who went over to San Francisco, but finished with 800 yards for the Falcons um, in his last year. Yeah, and for the most part, you know, we all have seen Devontae Freeman's ceiling, um, which is which is pretty high. The the injury question does scare us a little bit. I think the last, I, I mean, last year he only played two games, but um, the last time he played pretty much a full season was 2017, and he did have 196 carries, 865 yards, seven rushing touchdowns. He had a receiving touchdown on 36 receptions, um, 47 targets. Um, and he averaged 4.4 yards a carry, and that was a season that he split with Tevin Coleman. That was the year. Was that the year they went to the Super Bowl? The 2016 was the year they went to the Super Bowl. That was the year that they went to the Super Bowl. See, right? no, 2016 was the year that they went to the Super 2016 Bowl. 2016 was the yeah. This year is Shanahan's third year as a head coach. So yeah, it was his yeah. final year in uh, Atlanta. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's got all the potential. the The scary thing will be how his you know hopefully his head holds up, um, just because. You know, it's a physical, it's a brutal sport, man. Those True. concussions, they they don't go away easily. Um, but that's, you know, rounding out number 12 at number 13. Leonard Fournette. And again, these these running backs that we just uh, were, were listing from uh, Devontae Freeman, now uh, Leonard Fournette, um, they have had a little injury history. Like their durability has been in question, especially Fournette last year. Missed so much time uh, with a... With a uh, with a litany of injuries. The first game of the season, he, um, he tweaked his hamstring, and I believe he missed the next four games. Um, shoulder injury. I mean, he runs with a brutal, like, physical style, and it was like that when he was at LSU. And his first year in the league, he ran for over 1,000 yards, but he has had some questionability of uh, durability. durability. Yeah, but yeah. but if he's healthy, he's a steal for uh, for any fantasy owner. Yeah, we. I mean, we all seen how much of a stud he was in 2017. Nine rushing touchdowns on 268 carries, for 1,040 yards. Rookie year, yeah. His 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 yards per carry were a little low. Um, he was at about 3.9 yards a carry. But keep in mind, they don't have Blake Bortles back there, ruining everything for the team. <laughs> um, we'll see how. Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Nick Foles. Nick Foles does back there. Um, you know, Fournette had 20. His rookie season, he had 36 receptions out of the backfield uh, on 48 targets and a receiving touchdown. Um, in only eight games last year, he had about 26 targets and 22 receptions and a, and a receiving touchdown. Um, we all know what he can do when he's running the ball. So it'll be interesting to see with with a new guy leading the show in 
and Nick Foles on how well that offense can do because I think for the longest they've just wanted a capable game manager and, and Nick Foles has shown the ability to do a little bit more than manage a game but I do think that's what they expect out of out of Foles is just to manage a game and let Fournette and some of the other playmakers on that team lead the way I mean and I'll just one more thing about Fournette he's got this is a big year for him I mean he was in the you were talking about dog houses um uh, off off uh offline he was in the he was in Tom Coughlin's uh doghouse after um the final performance of the in the final game he um he was he had there was questions about you know if he cared enough about playing football did he even wanted to be a, a Jaguar so he's got a he's got some he's got some proving to do this year and I think he you know with that motivation of potentially being cut um as a you know, as a potential franchise running back, that that deal that does something to you. And I think he'll, he, you know, this year coming up, he's got a lot to prove, and I think he's willing to, he's ready to do it. It's an interesting point. Next up at number fourteen, we have Philip Lindsay out of Denver. Okay, this guy, you know, had an awesome rookie year. Um, the man, if he didn't get hurt in in the, in the uh, Raider game, um, he would have potentially had a thousand yard season. He finished like over like nine hundred. You know, actually, he did have a thousand yard season. Oh, excuse he me. He had one hundred ninety two carries on uh, one hundred ninety two carries for a thousand and thirty seven yards, five point four yards a carry, five point four, nine touchdowns out of the backfield. He had thirty five receptions on forty seven targets and a receiving touchdown. So he put up some pretty gaudy numbers um, despite that team having a very challenged year offensively. And now they got there, added uh, Joe Flacco as their quarterback. They got Noah Fant, uh, the tight end out of Iowa. Um, they've added the offense. They've got a new head coach in, in Denver and uh, Vic Fangio. Uh, they were actually played in the Hall of Fame game the other night, 14-10 over the Falcons. It's funny that we were just talking about the uh, Devontae Freeman. Um, yeah, I mean, Philip Lindsay didn't play at all, but he's he is definitely the the uh, the Broncos bell cow. He's going to be the guy that catches the ball at the backfield, runs the ball. Um, he's a local kid, so I mean, that's another that's another good thing that the Broncos have is that they got a guy that knows the culture, that also knows the the city, and he's also going to um, I think really wants to show that he is a durable running back and he wants to play all sixteen games. Got it to round out our top fifteen. We have the running back out of Tennessee, Derrick Henry, another big, big burly back who, uh, who pretty much um, he runs through you. He doesn't. He, he's not. He's not gonna. He's not going to shake you. He's not going to. You know, he's going to make you miss. He's just going to run right through you. And he is a guy that, um, you know, with the with questions at quarterback and Marcus Mariota, um, he is a guy that pretty much shoulders the load. Um, he's not he's not sharing uh, time in the backfield uh, too much um, this year, even though he does have uh, Deion Lewis, the ex uh, Patriot, in year two with him. Um, Derrick Henry is the main guy in in Tennessee. Last year he had a thousand and fifty nine yards on two hundred fifteen carries, averaged just under five yards a carry, um, and had twelve rushing touchdowns. He doesn't catch the ball too much out of the backfield he's got about 15 receptions on 18 targets no receiving touchdowns and so that might be i mean it kind of sounds like Dion lewis was the perfect guy to pick up for third down situations um you know when it's third and long and and obvious situations where they're going to be passing 
you know, it does look like he's primed to have another big year carrying the ball. Um, and, you know, we'll see how that goes for him. And, and it looks like we just got some news that AB is going to be seeing a foot specialist per the athletic. And that that's that's interesting news. <laughs> like we were just talking about, like, uh, you know, playmakers, guys that need to stay healthy. The Raiders got probably the top three or four wide receivers in, in the game, and he hasn't been able to practice, and he's going to go see a foot. Uh, is, it, is anybody out there saying he's not the, the best receiver in the game? There's been whispers of people that have, that have kind of stepped back and said he is not the best wide receiver in the game. Okay. I, I mean, at worst, I would I would slot him as number two or three because – DeAndre Hopkins, that. DeAndre Hopkins, I think is a is a monster, and I I, I like him as the best receiver in the game. Yes, he he, he just agree. goes about his business. He's not extra out, you know, in the public sphere of you know social media and all that. He he just does his thing, and he's he's ranked as is it a ninety nine or a hundred on Madden? I was playing the new Madden game last night, and I can tell you this: that man's unbelievable. Yes, he is ranked a ninety nine. Awesome, but 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 that's just the latest right now on a on AB. We'll have a little bit more of that um, on a future episode, but but it does look interesting for the Raiders moving forward. Um, next up, we do want to get back into what we had going on today. We have um, our list of sleepers and bust, and just remember, as we did last episode, we are going to define a bust as any player that we project to go in the top five rounds. And a sleeper will be anyone who we think is going to be drafted in the sixth round or later. Um, so with Joe's list of sleepers, who do we have first off? I like this kid out of uh, the rookie, uh, David Montgomery, for uh, for the Chicago Bears. Um, with Jordan um, Howard leaving for um, Philadelphia or being traded, I should say. Okay. And they, they had last year they had... Tariq Cohen doing a lot of the work in in Chicago. How's that going to work with with, with with him? Well, I mean, you got you got two young guys. Um, David Montgomery is going to be a lot more of the bruiser, okay. um, and Tariq Cohen is still going to be the guy that you're going to have to worry about uh, that he can light up all over the field and he carries the ball. But he's a guy that that you're going to have to still worry about. Okay, so we have David Montgomery. Who do we have next up? Um, we have uh, Josh Jacobs, the running back out of uh, the rookie, uh, the first rookie running back drafted uh, in this past uh, draft by the Raiders. He might even be bumped up that list with the news that we just had of AB going to that foot specialist. I mean, the thing about Josh Jacobs, I mean, the Bama kid, um, he play, he's 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 a good he's a good carrier. Apparently, he catches the ball well out of the backfield, which you should which you are pretty much almost have to do if you're going to be playing for John Gruden. I mean, the years of having Charlie Garner coming out of the backfield, um, like the guy, uh, the guy, um, Josh Jacobs is a is a is a is a dual threat running catches. What do you think of the notion that Alabama running backs never pan out in the NFL? Man, I mean, it's it's you, you you it's almost starting to looks that way, right? I yeah. mean, um, Eddie Lacy was like one of the last few good <laughs> running backs they had, and he pretty much ate himself out of the league. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's serious. I mean, if you go back and if you go back and ask anybody for the Green Bay, no, Packers, I, I I remember that. Yeah, you I go remember back and that. Ask anybody for the Green Bay Packers, that man would eat him, you know, would eat himself out of the league. I mean, he was a good running back, big bruiser, but I mean, he just could never stay, you know, off off the scale. Um, 
Now, now, Josh Jacobs, I'm hoping that he he breaks that trend and actually, you know, pans out. But it is starting to get a little uh, a little scary that running backs from Alabama don't really pan out well. Who was, who was the, the last running back that the Raiders picked up? He had been all over the league. Um, You're talking about... Uh, he played. Oh. He went to the. He played for the Colts. Oh, oh, uh, oh! Why is my, why is this mistaken? He he was a Bama guy, wasn't he? Oh, um, oh my God! I can't believe I I'm, I'm, went to Baltimore. You're talking about. Uh, oh my God! Why am I drawing a blank right now? I can't think of it right well, now. I'll, I'll I'll figure who out yeah. who that is. Uh, next up on the list, we do have a, a New England Patriot. Uh, Sony Michelle. Um, he helped him win a Super Bowl title last year, um, out of um, Georgia. Um, he's got a little. He's he's got a little injury with his um, his left knee, I believe. He's got a little um, injury issue, um, but he's 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 been he proved to be um, a real big piece to their uh, Super Bowl pu- puzzle last year. I mean, anytime you run in, you know, you play running back in New England, um, you were definitely going to be uh, a part of a running back by committee, and he's. And, and this year it shouldn't be any different because they still have James White back there, um, the guy that had 14 ca- catches in the Super Bowl um, a few years back. Um, so they have they have guys that can you know that can show the low, but but uh, Sony Michelle is, is definitely a guy that you might want to look at. Yeah, and the hardest thing with New England running backs is just trying to figure out game to game which guy is going to be utilized because which guy's we know gonna start. Yeah, yeah. And, and and we know that. Um, the, the offensive coordinator's name. What's his name? The, the, oh, um, the jo- oh. <laughs> Josh McDaniels. Yeah, he, he. I mean, he, he and Tom Brady. It, it doesn't really matter who they start. So one of those guys is going to get the ball, and one of those guys is going to ball out. Um, but yeah, just on a game-to-game basis, you never really know which running back is going to start. Um, but Sonny Michelle does look like he's going to have a pretty good year. Um, as the other other running backs in in New England. Um, next up on the list um, for our sleepers, we have Jalen Samuels out of Pittsburgh. Um, he, now that Le'Veon Bell is no longer in um, Pittsburgh and James Conner is is the uh, is the bona fide starter, Jalen Samuels is a, is a guy that um, could could see some carries. Um, Conner did miss a, some time last year uh, towards the end of the year with some injury. Um, I want to say it might have been a thigh issue he was he was dealing with, and Samuels came in and and, and played well, and so he definitely will get another opportunity. So he should be somebody that you might want to keep an eye on. And for the most part, running backs have flourished in that Pittsburgh offense, um, even before Connor was it D'Angelo Williams who was balling out the year that that yes. Bell was having a contract situation. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had James Connor, and then this year, like you said, James Jalen Samuel. Um, who's probably going to come in, and I wouldn't be surprised if he if he balls out also. But um, we'll see how that works out. They have it's going to be a really new year for Pittsburgh with the offense overall. I mean, they've got Big Ben, and they still have Juju, probably a couple of other guys. But it's it's going to be a new look for that offense as a whole. Yeah, I mean, the offense in Pittsburgh is going to definitely be uh, a little different because, I mean, yeah, Antonio Brown, you know, was traded in the offseason to the Raiders, and Juju Smith has been been pretty much tapped as the uh, number one wide receiver, and James Conner, you know, the new number one running back. So Pittsburgh has had, over the years, have had, you know, transition from um, star or star at either running back or wide receiver and, and replaced them with uh, complimentary good pieces. 
Okay, next up on the list we have Los Angeles Ram. Daryl Henderson. Um, now, this guy here, it was drafted in the third round out of Memphis. Um, real good back. And it was funny that you mentioned De- D'Angelo Williams um, D'Angelo Williams a couple of uh, seconds ago. He reminds me of D'Angelo Williams when he was at uh, at uh, Memphis. The guy, okay. Yeah, I mean he he runs hard. He can he can break he can break uh, break runs, um, and also Todd, since with Todd Gurley's mystery around his arthritic uh, left knee, um, the Rams could possibly um, have him um, have Henderson have more uh, time on the field than than Gurley, but. I was also reading in the uh, L.A. Uh, Times the other day that there's a possibility that uh, Sean McVay, the head coach of the Rams, will could use both guys in the backfield at the same time. Nice. Um, I mean, he is an offensive mastermind, so you never really know. It could be that thunder and lightning type of deal. Good point. Um, that that a lot of teams have used in the past. Uh, but we'll see how that works out. To 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 round off the top five, we had Daryl Henderson, and and to recap, we have. David Montgomery from Chicago, Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, Sonny Michelle with the New England Patriots, Jalen Samuels with Pittsburgh, and Daryl Henderson with the Rams. Um, next up on our bust list, again, the bust are any players that we project to go in the top five rounds. Um, but to start off that list, we have... Todd Gurley, and I know that might be a uh, an unpopular opinion, but we just we just let it out for you. I mean, he's he up there has ha- he's got a knee in, uh, an arthritic left knee, and 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 basically around the Super Bowl, I mean, he was almost ineffective. I mean, even though he had there was the one run that was called back because uh, of a holding penalty, um, but he um, in the NFC Championship game against the Rams, he was essentially benched for C.J. Anderson. Because he had a missed assignment, um, he dropped a key pass on third down. Um, was running kind of looked like he didn't know what holes to run through uh, behind the offensive line at certain points. So Daryl Henderson is a guy to me um, could you know could push Todd Gurley even though Todd Gurley's making a lot of money could push Todd Gurley um, for carries. Um, and so I and so I really would I don't want to put Todd Gurley on this bus list, but with all the questions around his you know around his knee and whatever, you just don't know. And so he could possibly be a guy that uh, could have bus potential. Yeah, and given the year that he had last year, I I do think it's interesting because a lot of uh, my own friends that I've talked to kind of have him slated to be picked between the third and fifth rounds coming off the season last year without any of the playoff stuff, if you just took his raw numbers um, from the regular season, he would be a top five pick. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt so, at all. So, it, it, you know, I can see that because he's, he's already dropped a lot in people's mock drafts. Um, and, and just the fact that he won't be going in the first two rounds says a lot um, about, you know, people seeing the bust potential that he has. And also – don't forget is that the Rams actually had had some changes on the offensive line too. Um, they've lost uh, Roger Saffold to the Tennessee Titans. John Sullivan, their center, is pretty much um, um, out of football now. So I mean, when you have the continuity on their offensive line they've had the last few years, where they've started all five guys um, for the last two straight years, that's con- that's 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 continuity. That's for a running back that that's comfortable with his offensive line, knows where they're going to be at. 
Um, this it's going to be a major adjustment. It's going exactly. You hit the. You took the words right out of my mouth. It's going to be a major adjustment. But that's why a guy like Daryl Henderson, who you know is coming in as a rookie with the Rams, um, he's look like he could be a, a guy that can, like I said, push Todd Gurley uh, for those extra carries, especially for the ones where early in the season where um, the Rams might be trying to keep Gurley a little fresher for the, for maybe another repeat of the, at a Super Bowl trophy. Yeah, good points. Good points. Um, next up on the list, we have Leonard Fournette from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love this kid, but if he can't stay healthy, I mean, I don't. I would. I'd tell people to stay. You know, kind of stay away from him and and uh, and drafting him. If he's de- he's definitely one of those guys now that, I mean, on paper he is the starter in, in Jacksonville, but you know that if he's available later on in the draft and you need a running back to maybe you know start on your on uh, you know for a bye week for one of your major starters he's somebody that you, that you can look into but i'm not sure if you take him first or second not at all no with don't with especially with all the better running backs ahead of him yeah you leave him alone but we do know production wise that he does have that level of first slash second round excellent point type of production just given the injuries and I, I mean, we still don't know how Nick Foles is going to do in Jacksonville. Good point, too. Um, but, you know, it looks like it's just a transition period where I, I think, you know, a safer area to pick him would be three to five. Yeah, safe bet. Yeah. 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 Like, okay. Five, six to seven, somewhere around here. Because, I mean, uh-huh. you got to think about it, too. He's going to be a guy that, I mean, when all the – top running backs are off the board and uh-huh. they're going to be kind of like looking like man i need to get a, a running back I, be- I would i would be shocked if he went six or seven because i mean we wouldn't be calling him a bust if he were picked that late because the thing True. is that he has the potential to be top to to be slated in those top five rounds and so um especially with the new you mentioned with nick Foles, the new if he goes in if he goes six or seven we'd consider that a steal Oh, that's oh, that's highway robbery. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, the next person that on the list that we have is Devonte Freeman. A lot, a lot because of the same issues with Fournette. Um, but Freeman has the concussion history. Um, it's going to be his first year not splitting carries with Tevin Coleman. Um, in what at, team? What team? Tevin Coleman plays for again? Man, I don't even know, man. You gonna, <laughs> you gonna have to remind me off the air, man, because I don't, I don't, I don't even know to be honest. But he's. Um, He's not going to be splitting carries with with that guy, but you know they do have another another backup, you know Smith, yeah, that, that they're introducing into the mix. Um, but I am a little skeptical just on how his health will hold up because concussions, they're 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 nothing to kind of like light. They're nothing to take lightly, especially what we know now about them. We were the we we have more education on what concussions are. And, you know, the long-term effects. I mean, we, you mentioned it earlier. He's not a, uh, uh, he's not a bruiser. Devontae Freeman is a guy that likes to try to shift by you, you know, juke you out. He's not going to run you over. So, yeah, that's going to be key. So is it, is it safe to say that our the reason that he's on our bust list has nothing to do with football? No, no, not at all. I mean, because I still believe he's a productive running back. Yeah, so, so, so just as far as, you know, if he's healthy on the field – He's going to be a great pickup for anybody, but as far as him being able to avoid concussions, he's going to have to learn how to avoid hits, not take on direct contact with those linebackers and, and defensive linemen. 
Um, he should be all right, but that that is kind of a dangerous pick given the fact that he only played two games last year. Do you throw him in? Okay, yeah. Even though he played two games last year, if he's if he's available and you really need like a bye week running back, do you pick him up? I would. I'm not gonna call him a bye week running back. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's what there's some of these guys that got injuries uh, history are starting. That's to That's what look they like. become. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. That I, I mean, it's 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 tough to figure out where you would actually slate him because of his ceiling and because of his floor. So he's just what's he, closer. He's a very risky pick, is what I what I would say. Be, the floor because because he's only played two games last year, concussions. When you get when you continue to get them, they don't get better; they get worse. And true that, yeah. So, so you know, you you hope the guy stays healthy, but there is a lot of bust potential there for a guy who has a really high ceiling. Um, the last person that we have rounding off our bust list, Derrick Henry. Um, now this, I mean, it's more so just that you know the guy, it's a hit or miss with him. I mean, he's a big brawny back. Um, he's not gonna, like I said, he's not gonna run past you. He's just gonna run right through you. I mean, if he's gonna be good in the red zone in terms of like just rushing touchdowns, then get him, you know. But if he, if he's look, if you're looking for him to be your everyday, every week starter, I should say, then you stay away from this guy. Yeah, he he, he seems to be in that third tier of running backs. He's not top ten, but he is. I I, I would think he's top fifteen, top twenty type of guy. So he's, I, I would say he's gonna potentially. Run. Yeah, he he's gonna round out the maybe the third, fourth, and fifth rounds. I I think reaching for him in the third would be picking him in the third would be a reach. Um, Agreed. I do think he's gonna probably go in the fourth or fifth round. Um, anything later than that probably is a good pickup for him. Um, but if you're picking him in the top five rounds, I I think there is a lot of potential there for a bus especially because he doesn't catch the ball well out of the backfield and and like all the top running backs that we went over earlier in the show those guys all have at least 50 receptions you know what and and you that's an excellent point because we we talked about how important it is to, for a running back to be able to catch the ball at the backfield they, they call themselves a three down linebacker uh, excuse me three down running back exactly um but again, to 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 rock, to to round out that list, we have Derrick Henry. Um, to recap, we have Todd Gurley with the Rams, Leonard Fournette with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Devontae Freeman with the Atlanta Falcons, and again Derrick Henry with the Tennessee Titans. We'll get more into um, fantasy football on our next episode. Maybe go over some tight ends, some quarterbacks. Um, so far, we've talked about receivers and running backs, um, but. You know, for fantasy football, that's what we have today. We're going to go ahead and transition into the Oakland Athletics, who have had a pretty good start to the second half. They, they had an excellent first five games. They started the second half on a five-game tear through um, the White Sox and the Mariners. Since then, they've been 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, But overall, in the second half, they're 12-7. and seven. They're currently about eight back of the Houston Astros. Um, and I believe are third for the top two wild card spot. I mean, they've like who who said that the a the AL was going to be easy this year, especially wild card. I mean, you got 
the Tam- you got Tampa Bay Rays, you got the Boston Red Sox, you got Cle- the Cleveland Indians, and pretty much uh, the the Minnesota Twins with the A's are all you know vying for those last two spots. Um, it's going to be a big series this weekend um, for the A's as they as they have a, a rarity in the St. Louis Cardinals coming in. Before that, they had the Milwaukee Brewers for three. So I mean, you know, a little mixture of interleague going on right now. The t- the the Tony Larusa Classic. I mean, hey, I mean, you know what? Darren, Dan Heron is going to probably be throwing out the first pitch, probably for one yeah, of these games. That would be pretty cool. Throwing it to <laughs> throwing it to Big Mac or uh, what? What about Jason Jason Isringhausen? Wow, what a now that right there is a Scrabble name for you right there. Yeah, you got to be triple a, word score right there. You got to be a real A's fan to know about that guy. I mean, you got to talk about it. He did play for the Cardinals too, right? Oh, definitely. See, look at you. Uh, that's great. Ex- ex- excellent knowledge right there, Chris. All right, all right, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like they. They've been on a pretty good tear through the second half. They they hit a rough patch with I'd say the Astros. They um, were two and two against the Twins. Some dramatic games in Minnesota to say the least. Um, they had the game where they came back in the in the ninth. Was it the eighth or ninth inning? They were down. It was a it was the ninth inning. It was a, that was the third game of the series, I believe. They right. They had the game where they had the lead in the. Um, the second game of the series where Minnesota, I believe they walked off um, and, and took the lead late. And then that the last game of the series. Real quick. Now, if, if you had your if you had your preference, would you rather play Minnesota in a first in, in a potential first round in a wild card game? Or would you would you rather play, say, Tampa? I would say I'd probably want to play Tampa just because of the way that. Well, you know what? It depends where they play the game. If they play the game at the Coliseum, I want to play Minnesota just because Minnesota is a home run hitting team. Um, Fair point. If it's an evening game, give us give us, give us, us the, the twins because those those home runs are going to die out and turn into to fly balls and a lot of balls hit on the warning track. If we're not at home, then I would want to play Tampa because, you know, I just – that that lineup, the home runs that they hit, it's – it's been really what's won them games um, in the seven games that we've played them this year. Keep in mind, we are 4-3 and three against the Minnesota Twins this year. Um, so we've had success against them this year. But every single one of those games has been decided by, I believe, two runs or less. As a baseball fan, I would love to see a five-game series between those two teams. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, that, I think I would be excited to see... Um, a series between the Twins and the and the A's just because they have had a lot of dramatic baseball games, um, which has been very entertaining. You, you know, as an A's fan, you would rather have those um, nerve-wrecking games where they come back in the eighth, ninth inning, um, as opposed to the to the blowouts. Um, it's it it really shows you the the resolve that the the guys have and just their their knack for for clutch hitting um you know manufacturing runs late in games i mean from i mean currently you know cleveland and tampa bay are the top two hold the top two uh wild card spots with the A's just a half game uh just a half game behind um tampa bay for that second one so i mean cleveland is a team that is going to be really tough to do too uh to play against um, but again, I've already I've already maintained that 
the only way the really the to give the A's a real legitimate shot at really making a full playoff run, they've got to find a way to to either finish with the uh, with the with the best record among the wild card teams. They can actually play a home game at in Oakland instead of having to go to like Cleveland, Tampa Bay, or even or even Minnesota. Again, I would I would just go ahead and say that I don't want any piece of that wild card game. I I hate the play in game. Um, so you better catch the Astros. That that's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. Um, again, I'm just gonna keep on referencing 2012. <laughs> being being how how many games back were we in August? I want to say year? what seven I, eight or something. I think like it was that? like eight and a half nine. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, but it's never too late. We have a huge series with the Houston Astros coming up um, next week, right before. Um, I think it's right after we play the Giants a couple games. Mm-hmm. But we have a huge series against them. Remember, the Yankees are in town, too. The Yankees are in town. We're going to, I mean, to be honest, we've been on a stretch where we've been playing top teams in the league. So 12 and 7, I'm not, th- you know, I'm not ecstatic about it. It's but a good record against a, the teams you play. It's a good record considering that we've played, you know, I, I mean, like I said, we've been 7 and 7 against Minnesota, Houston. Um, the Rangers, and after the series against the Brewers, p- pretty much those last fourteen games, we've three of those seven four, seven. three of those four teams are going to probably make the playoffs. Yeah, and taking away the the five and zero start that we had against the Mariners and the White Sox, since then we've been we've been five hundred. So that's that's okay because we've been playing the cream of the crop in both leagues, with the exception of the Rangers. The Rangers kind of. Um, in the middle of the mix when it comes to the wild card race, but they, but they are a solid team for a minute. They were one of those teams that were in contention. Um, even when the A's were come, when the A's came, uh, when, when they played the A's, um, but yeah, they've kind of fell back to the, to the middle of the pack, but yeah, the three of the four teams that A's have recently played more likely are either going to make the playoffs or going to finish with, uh, with good records. Yep. Um, this, this Loriano injury is, is looks like it might be huge. It, I believe he's going to be out three to four weeks. That's huge. I th- when, when when that hall. I mean, when 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 news of him of uh, Loriano getting hurt came out, I thought it was like, oh man. I mean, this team was really hitting on all cylinders offensively. I mean, you uh, one of the one of the one of the biggest uh, Loriano fans I know. I'm sitting right across the, uh, the table from me, and. He, when 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 news got like when news came out with uh about his injury came down the man was was pretty uh was pretty bummed out but you know i think i think you know loriano get him healthy he still is going to come back and be able to uh produce but yeah i mean his injury at this time in the middle of a pennant race right right after he won al player of the week we i have the numbers here the, the give them to me the week that he won the award six games Batting 542, he was 13 to 24. He had two home runs, six doubles, scored 10 runs. OPS was 1.619, and he had five multi-hit games. You can't tell me that Bo- that's nothing but offense. You can't tell me that Bo Mel wasn't you know, like ecstatic with that with those numbers. I mean, he put him anywhere in the lineup, and he was producing. Yeah, and, and that, like I said, those are his offensive numbers. He's, you know. He's got a shot at a gold glove this year with some of the, I think the he leaping will win catches it. and the assists that he's made in the outfield. He's like he's to be in the conversation is is enough to say 
to say that we have a center fielder who's doing it with his glove and then also tearing it up from the plate, um, it's huge. Um, I, I think one of the things that does offset that a little bit is the potential of Steven Piscotty returning. Um, we talked about it a little bit before the show, but he, he went two for four in his rehab assignment in Las Vegas um, and is available to come back as soon as the Cardinal series this tonight. Right. Um, I mean, you know what? Um, Loriano was just was just huge for for the A's. This has been absolutely huge. I've already said that he's going to probably win um, a gold glove this year. I mean, the man plays so well. The man is like he is a like to me. He's like a real he's like a like a, a good free safety in football. I mean, the guy is he, sure he'll take a few, you know, questionable angles here and there. But what's what safety doesn't. But he is always back there to almost erase the play. Like he's he robs home runs. He's good with the like. His, it's more. Don't don't get it wrong. The offense is going to be missed, but I think more so his glove is going to be a big miss. Shit, did you did you see the bat flip against the Rangers? I, who are you talking about? I was there. Yes, man. <laughs> that, I mean, not only is he putting up the numbers at the plate, making the plays in the outfield. He's bringing a fire to the team that, you know, that that they do kind of need. I, I think that a lot of the teams that the A's have been on, um, they've kind of they've always been a blue collar team. They don't have that guy who, you know, if you throw at a guy, he's going to charge the mound. But he hit that pitch. And what was the backstory to it? I think the the pitcher was he um, he stepped on on his bat. The, yeah, a previous series, a previous and, series back in Texas. Yeah, and, and yeah. so he remembered that, and when he hit the home June, run, June, I believe it happened in June. When he yeah. hit the home run, he <laughs> he he really pimped out the home run, dude. He was like, <laughs> he started walking. He pointed at the pitcher, and then he or he he flipped the bat, and then he pointed at the pitcher, and he said, "You want to step on my bat again?" Like right right then and there, I was just like, man, that's what we need right there. Just just some fire amongst these guys. That that the A's have not had a real fiery guy since Grant and, Balfour. And, well, not even. Well, I was going to say Grant Balfour, but before that, you you, you referenced twenty twelve uh, uh, a lot with this team because they have some similarities. Jo- uh, Johnny Gomes. Yep. You know, remember, matter of fact, the last day of the, the last game of the season when the A's actually passed the Rangers, what was they doing when they were celebrating? This man is in a in a in a, in a shower robe, fire <laughs> hat with a fire hose all over oh, uh, man, the outfield. So, so, but he was one of those guys that you know, veteran guy that pretty much you know has seen the wars. Is you know is, is a he's been in veteran clubhouses in ball in Boston where he won a ring, um, and he brings that to Oakland, and. To me, you miss those type of guys, and and to your point about Loriano brings a fire to the team. Yeah, you don't really see too many fiery guys on the team. I mean, who outside of Loriano, who who's a, who's who who could you say is the fieriest out of all the A's? I I mean, to be honest, I don't think I could think uh, Mark Kenna. Me and you were on the same page. That's who I was. That's who I was thinking. Bat flip. I mean, that, that's what. Yeah. It, but and that's what he catches flack for is. is you know the pitchers always feel like the guys are showing them up with the bat flip. When I, I love I, bat flips, it's it's great. It's 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 a transition away from you know the traditional conservative way of playing baseball. Um, you know, guy, especially if if you want to attract young people to the game and include celebrations into baseball, um, 
a sport that you know they're they're trying to do all this stuff with increasing the pace of play and all this stuff because it's boring well if you make it a little more entertaining you might not have to increase the pace of play bat flips um you know guys celebrating catches guys making tremendous catches is is always a great thing loriano is doing bat flips and jumping over the the wall in center field he's got a rocket arm like he's he's great for baseball right now you know, I think everything that he brings to the team, along with Mark Canna, they just they those two guys really bring an emotional leadership to the team that I, I really think provides a spark for them that they need. Um, outside of you know, of course, the leadership that they get from Matt Olson and Matt Chapman, those are just the guys that those are the the glue guys, but also the franchise players that they have right now. Um, but it looks like they just have a good mix of of, of a lot of things going on. Um, they did recently just acquire some, some arms to bolster the bullpen and the starting rotation. One of the guys actually, we talked about on the last episode, Tam- gotta give, gotta give you credit for that one. You picked it, you pick you, you hit the nail right on the I think he was your second or third guy on your list that you hey, picked. One for six. What is that about? Two for six would be 300. <laughs> so one fi- I'm, I'm batting about one, 160 right now. It's a, it's a pinch hit single. There we go. There we go. But Tanner Roark, um, to recap, well, we talked about him last last time. He, uh, we we talked about him on the show. He had a 3.5 ERA and 92 innings pitched, um, about one home run per nine innings. Um, the downside is he has the 10 million dollar salary, um, which is in peanuts here in Oakland. Hey, but 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 anything to oh, gosh get Daniel Mengden out of the the starting rotation and just just. Hopefully he can he can get some confidence and work on his stuff because he does have good stuff. Um, he's probably like a, a fourth or a fifth rotation guy, but but to to pick up Roark um, to solidify you know those those arms down the rotation, I think will be a huge move for the A's moving forward. Um, and then this guy Deekman out of the bullpen, I do like what he's been doing. Um, comes from the Kansas city Royals, a lot of guys that a lot of teams that end up selling are the, the bottom dwellers in the league because a lot of, a lot of the winning teams are looking to take, you know, the talent off of those teams to really help boost their chances, um, late in the season, in the postseason, Um, and, and so I think, you know, just what I've seen from Deakman the last couple of games, especially against the Brewers, um, he, he's made some huge pitches and has gotten some huge outs, um, in high leverage situations, he looks. Doesn't Deekman look like he should be playing for the A's? Like he, he just has yeah. that look, like he, he should be playing for yeah, the A's, yeah. right? He he does, he does for sure. And, and just the, the way he pitch, he has kind of like a funky um, stretch or wind up, so to speak. And then he kind of just, I, I think he has that what three quarter delivery, um, and just the he he gets a lot of movement, a lot of a lot of good off speed stuff that he throws to guys that and guys really can't pick up um where the ball is going they need it and honestly picking up Deakman was really key because they've been you know their bullpen which was the strength for the majority of the year has had some you know some some holes uh in it the last uh, couple of weeks yeah and, and not to sound like a prisoner of the moment but i i think i might be taking a step back on what i said about Blake Trinan earning his spot back because um his his stuff these last couple of weeks he's been putting up zeros um he's had a couple of one two three innings Liam Hendricks has came in you know uh in in a couple of closing situations 
and has blown a couple of leads. Um, I think the the tough thing about him is that his fastball doesn't move. He's got some good he's he he throws a changeup in the slider, so he's got some good off speed stuff. But when hitters are looking to attack you early in the count and they're sitting on that fastball, Hendricks provides all the power. And 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 the main thing with Trinan is that he's you know his main thing is is trying to locate that cut fastball inside to the righties. Um, and then being able to work away with, I believe it's a slider. Um, but he's, he looks like he's coming back around. And so, so with, with Diekman, Hendricks, and Trinan um, being, I would say, the top three arms in that bullpen, I think they have a really good situ- situation, uh, so, uh, a, bad, a bad problem, so to speak, um, trying to figure out who they're going to have as their closer between Hendricks and Trinan because um, – once they figure out who the closer is going to be, I think those three guys go seven, eight, nine. That sounds about. I mean, I can see that. I mean, you got to think about it too. Like the, for the most part, the A's want their starters to go what five, six, if possible. Yeah. Especially with the offense they have. Yeah. I mean, they're they have one of the off they have one of the better offenses in all of baseball. I mean, if they can get you for the much majority of the time, they can get you four or five runs easily. And yeah. sometimes they can go, they can, they can go into, they can, they can get you five runs in an inning. So if the A's can get continue with the offensive production that they've been getting and actually, you know, have good to stellar pitching up into the bullpen, they're gonna win. They're gonna, they're gonna make the playoffs. I, I think last year one of the issues that we had was was our setup guys. I, I, the last time we had a legitimate seven, eight, nine setup was. Ryan Cook, uh, Ryan Cook, Sean Doolittle, and Grant Balfour. Man, you want to talk about talking about a bullpen that you know was lights out. That was that was 2012. I, I no, I think I remember 2013. Ryan Cook kind of he he kind of lost um, predictable fastball actually. Yeah, yeah, and so and then they they ended up transitioning. Grant Balfour um, was having a little bit of trouble, and then they transitioned to having Sean Doolittle end up coming to that closer role, but. But that 2012 year when they had seven, eight, nine being Cook, Doolittle, and Balfour, it was just it was money. Like you have a one to two run lead, curtains. That's why you know that's and I think that's what the that's what the A's really need to worry about is is the fact that they got you know they've 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 kind of plugged some you know plugged some guys into into spots that they were kind of weak at, um, shored up the, the the rotation with uh, with Roark and also getting um, Homer Bailey who. Didn't have his good. Didn't have a good start his first game, and then he played. And then he pitches against Milwaukee. Has a better outing. I remember he, you were talking about he was in your doghouse. Um, but if you have to, if you today is August third, if this is say for a month from now, the A's are, you know, holding the the main wild card spot down, and or in fact, it's, who's to say they caught Houston by then? Maybe we're maybe we're three to four games back. Maybe you maybe you're three or four games behind Houston entering September. Who is right now? Who is your starting? Who is your rotation? Who's who's your starting rotation? It's 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 Mike or the rotation. Rotation. So I'd have Mike Fires at the one. Um, I'd have Brett Anderson at the three. You okay? I was going to say Brett Anderson is not. I'm I'm done with Brett Anderson. Okay. I, I got to see what Roark does, um, but I, I do think Roark may end up being actually, – actually, you know what? If, if I'm going to go Roark at the two, then I'm going to put Homer Bailey at the three. 
Um, I do want to see Bailey play against the Astros again. Mm-hmm. I want him. I want to see him and how he rebounds off that monstrosity of a game he threw. <laughs> Um, that that opener against the Astros, where he gave up like ten, eleven. Run- I I think he gave up ten or eleven runs, but they they had that eleven run lead early in the game. He gave up nine, if I'm not mistaken. Gave up nine runs, um, but I want to see him pitch against the Astros before I can confidently say where I want him in the rotation because that's that's what matters. I don't really. The Brewers are a good team, so he did really well against a really good lineup. Um, and let's not and let's not forget he's a former Red, so he up yeah. there knows that knows that team a little bit better. So yeah. that's probably the reason why Bo Mel started. No, you're talking about Roark. I'm talking about uh, Homer Homer Bailey. Homer Bailey, yeah, that, he's a former Red. He's a former Red. I'm yeah. tripping. Yeah, okay. I mean, because he he remember um, he signed like a hundred million dollar contract mm-hmm. with them, and he got traded to the to the Dodgers. Yeah. So I mean, he's 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 familiar with the National League teams. Okay. Well, hopefully, hopefully Homer Bailey's a little more familiar with the Astros next time around, and 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 the scouting helps him. Um, but I, I think, yeah, that's that's the way I would have it. Um, in the playoffs, you're going three, four man rotation, so it's 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 Mike Fires, Tanner Roark, Homer Bailey, and Brad Anderson. I mean, yeah, I could see. I mean, that that I, honestly, that's a that's not that's kind of how I had him uh, piece because, like I said, I'm done with Brett Anderson. Like if I have to see him pitch another game, if I have to see him pitch another game for the A's, I'm done. I mean, I think to to me, I mean, yeah. If he, the only time you pitch him is in Oakland, don't pitch him on the road at all. Yeah, and I, I mean, because the thing too is that a lot of his pitching repertoire doesn't require much power, so he's throwing a low 90s fastball, if if that, um, and he's relying on a lot of off speed stuff and. If you're throwing off speed and you're not commanding your pitches, it's it's a pain to watch because you're walking guys or guys are rocking you. Like it's 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 one or the other and when when you're on, you're on. But when you're not, he you know, a fly ball pitcher, you have to be on or you're just gonna be getting your balls are going over the wall. So um yeah, man, that that I mean I think they're primed to have a, a good second half. Hopefully Loriano gets back soon and, and while he's out, we get some some vintage Piscotti um, to <laughs> to help us out. Chris Davis had a huge home run against the Brewers. Hopefully that helps him um, start hitting more of them out. Um, the guy did leave a breaking ball over the middle of the plate, so that that helped Chris Davis out. Guys are pitching him outside, but but what we're not seeing this year that we've seen in previous years is him going opposite field. So, so to me, the fact that guys are throwing him outside doesn't really mean much. He has good opposite field power, so I think he just has to, you know, just seeing one go over the fence might spark him to start hitting them again. But he does need to start hitting them for us. But the funniest thing that home run that he hit um, in the Milwaukee series was like his first home run in twenty nine games, and that home run, if that wall was probably about ten inches higher, that's like a long double. I'm Dog, sorry, I I was literally in in the box with with somebody and I, I was I was right before like literally the pitch before he hit it I was talking to the I was like dude he hasn't hit a home run in about six weeks and then and then like I walked back to my seat he with the cold crushed, one in your he, hand 
with a cold in my hand. He crushes it, and we, and, and the dude's like, he, he's standing up at the window, and he just looks at me. He's just like, dude, what the hell? And I was just like, we're, we're like going crazy, man. I was just like, I did, this is a guy I didn't, I didn't even know. And you know, at the, at the games, you know, something like that. I, I was like, I gave him a hug. I was like, I can't believe that happened. Like, you know, like it, it was wild, man, because it was just such a coincidence for me to be talking about that. And then hit, it was like he heard me. You know, he's like, shut the hell up, Chris. I was like, right back at you, crush. Hey, man. So it's funny because, you know, the, you know, the A's coming up, you know, have St. Louis this weekend. They're home for two. And then now they go, you know, after St. Louis, they go, they they go to Chicago. They play three against the Cubs and uh, at Wrigley. And then they have an off day on Thursday. And then they have the White Sox. They're in, uh, they're in um, Southside Chicago for three against the White Sox. And then the August 13th and the 14th, they play the uh, Astros. The, excuse, no, no, no. Excuse me. The Giants. The Giants and then the Astros. And then the Astros at home for, for, for four from the 15th through the 18th. So we've pretty much got the NL wildcard pitcher coming up. So a bunch of wildcard teams that are going to be vying for those last couple of spots. I think the, the Cardinals are actually leading the division right now. And you're playing the second-best team in that division, the Cubs, right after. Yeah. But the Cardinals, I, I mean, if they slip up a couple games, they will be the top wildcard spot. Definitely, yeah. So, so that I mean, that pretty much is what it, what it is, is that um, we're playing the cream of the crop in the National League. Um, and then, you know, just throwing the White Sox in there. Hopefully we take care of business. It's not one of those teams that we want to slip up against and end up losing two out of three against. Um, but we got to take care of business. Um, you know, hopefully Houston just doesn't go on a tear and, you know, leaves us in an insurmountable deficit as far as the division. Um, but hopefully we can keep pace, maybe even pick up a couple of games against the Astros um, and then just be back in the same predicament where, you know, hopefully we, we can pick up some games against the Astros when we're playing them. The month of August is going to be – it might actually be make or break it for the A's. I mean, like I said, we just talked about uh, the Cardinals, the Cubs they play, and then, of course, the White Sox. But, of course, the Giants, they, they go to San Francisco. After, after Houston, we have New York, the Yankees, and then we have the Giants again. And then, But also, right after the Giants series – you go to four. You go to Kansas City for four. Yeah. So you got to find a way to get healthy in that series too. Like you can't just you can't go to Kansas City and split. You got that's a series you got to you got to sweep sweep or three out of four. You yeah, can't. You period. Can't, you can't. You can't. They're uh, bottom dwellers. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you have to find a way. This month of August is going to be probably the toughest. Just throw. Just throw. Uh, was Homer ba- Bailey was a was a was a royal too, wasn't he? Sounds familiar. I might be wrong. It's probably just Deekman. Yeah, De- well, Deekman. I mean, yeah. but the thing is, though, you like I said, they have the, the 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 A's. If they're going to really make a move, the month of August is going to be that the month that they really have to do something. Yeah, and then we just also have to hope that this. Uh, I mean, Granky to Houston move. You know, hopefully he's not just lights. I mean, because he's a National League pitcher. What you thought about that when you your first initial reaction to that? Crazy. I thought it was crazy too. I mean, they pulled the same thing with Justin Verlander a few years Did ago. Did you see that number with the whip for Verlander, Granky, and Cole? No, what was it? Um, let me. I'll have to take a look at that. But just that that move to have those three guys in the rotation is ridiculous. And Wade Miley 
excuse me, Wade Miley is a, a nine and four for Houston. He's the fourth. He's like their fourth starter. Immediately moves to as their fourth starter, but he's nine and four with like a three point two three ERA or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the, the thing is about Houston um, is that they they they're going for another championship, and they added another big piece. Right here was a tweet by Jason Stark. Um, the 2019 leaders in WHIP one. Justin Verlander at .81, Zach Greinke at two with .94, and number five is Garrett Cole at one even. That's your one, two, three starters in, the in top, Houston. In the top five in, in, uh, in WHIP? Yes. Jeez. So it's, it's, it's going to be crucial, man, and we're probably going to be playing. I wouldn't be surprised if we, if we catch two or three of those guys. Maybe we catch all three of them in our series against, against Houston, but – I would actually love to to play those three guys and come out with with two out of three, um, just because I think they're gonna need that shot in the arm. And, and last year, actually, it was last year was was the same scenario. Actually, they they could not beat Houston to begin the year, and then all of a sudden they went on that tear after the All Star break. And I think they swept. They might have won like six out of seven seven out of eight from the astros but that was when you know their team wasn't fully healthy and then the guys came back healthy and houston came back with this chip on their shoulder they came to the coliseum and i think they won like two out of three from us and so they were just like ah, hold on like not so fast like we're not quite ready to to give you guys this division and so um you know there's a little bit of a back and forth brewing between the Astros and the A's as far as last year, but this year it's just been completely dominated by Houston. Um, you know, I, I'm just going to keep saying it. We have to beat Houston if if we want any shot at the division. I mean, what is it, in nine games or what is it, ten games? We beat them twice. Right, one one here, once there. Yeah, yeah. so um, they come out here, you know, we've got to get out there and support the team. Um, but but they've got to they've got to find a way to beat those guys, um, and that's the bottom line, man. I mean, to be what's so different? What's what's difference between Houston and Oakland is that the rot- is the pitching. Because I mean, if you look at it for the most part, the rosters are pretty even. Like the starting one through nine is pretty even. Um, both teams got guys that can hit. Both guys that can they got teams that they're, they're both got uh, players that can. Uh, play defense like both teams are not are not weak at all so it's really with the a's and their pitching rotation that really needs to 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 get better in order for uh for them to really be up there with houston but i mean to be real with you i mean houston is just the cream of the crop in the american league this year yeah they're they're pretty ridiculous them and the yankees at this point uh they're just head over heels above everybody um but we all know that 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 doesn't always mean that doesn't always equal postseason success. Absolutely right. So uh, we'll see. You know, the Giants won two World Series coming out of the wild card game. Um, and I, I think the year that they went to the World Series against the, the Royals, the, the year that um, 2014, the, A's, yeah. the, the A's had that monstrosity of a collapse against um, the Royals. They were both the, both of the World Series teams came out of the wild card game. And so. Who was yeah. it? Derek Norris that couldn't get throw the ball back to second base 
because um, I remember Giovanni uh, Soto when the A's picked him up in the, um, as part of um, for the stretch run. I loved I loved him back there in the plate, but he got hurt, and they had to go to Derek Norris, and you know, yeah, and so it happened. Yeah, and um, yeah, but, but but all that to say that you know the postseason success doesn't really isn't really based on what you do in the regular season. It's about getting hot at the right time. You get hot at the right time. Um, you win games on the road, good pitching, good defense. And so I think the, the, the foundation is set for the A's with their defense. They've got to get timely hitting, and they, you know, the bat's got to come alive at the right time. And I was going to say, I was going to just add on that, the Coliseum. Again, find a way to get be able to get yourself in the playoffs fully and take advantage of, of the home field advantage that the Coliseum offers. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bother you with this 96 mile an hour kid throwing. You know, I, I will. I will say it's funny you brought this up earlier, and I mean, look, it's a good story. It's a good story. Like I said, it's like Rookie of the Year, one of my favorite, you know, baseball movies. To give you guys some context, there was a there was a guy throwing um, in a pitching challenge at Coors Coors Field um, during a Rockies game, and he. Through 94, 95, 96, um, he topped out at 96. He wasn't pitching off of a mound. He was actually taking um, a bit of a push-off step like he was throwing out of center field. But he was throwing 96, man. Um, and so the A's decided to give this guy a, a small contract just to see what they can do with him. Nathan Patterson is his name. Nathan Patterson. Nathan Patterson. And so it's, it, it's a cool story, but, you know, it. it I don't think there's any – you know, we don't see anything happening for this guy. He may, at best, make a single A squad, maybe do some relief work. Any chance of him ad- being added to the A's uh, bullpen for the stretch run? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if he makes a double A team. We'll see if he makes a double A team. But that was in the new ninety-six week, man. mile per hour fastball, though. Not you know off the mound, though. You know what? Uh, ninety-six mile an hour fastball is only as good as you can command it. And as only, it's only as good as the off-speed pitches that you throw. These 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 dudes in the majors could hit. You're not gonna throw nobody a 96 mile hour fastball over the plate and expect to be successful. Especially one time through the lineup. You gotta spot it, and you gotta know when to throw it. You gotta know when a guy's sitting on your fastball, because when you when a guy's sitting on your fastball, it does not matter where you throw it. Especially if they're if the hitters are bad uh, bad ball hitters like the those those hitters that can get a ball that's being thrown in the dirt and just golf it out. Yeah. If you're just leaving that thing over the plate, yeah, the major league yeah. hit uh, major league hitting hit beats major league pitching. Yeah, throw that shit to Mike Trout, man. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I mean, we're gonna transition away from the A's and talk a little bit of basketball uh, for a couple of minutes. Um, Draymond Green uh, news did just drop that he signed a four year extension worth a um, hundred million dollars. What are your thoughts, Joe? You know what? I think it's smart business between the Warriors and uh, Draymond Green. I mean, Draymond was going into 2019-20 um, in, in a contract year, um, so it made sense that the that that him and the and the Warriors were able to come together and be able to just hash out a hundred million dollar extension on top of the four, uh, the one year he had left. He's going to be paid over 118 million over the next five years. Yeah. So it's a good deal. His his first contract was like a 80 90 million dollar contract. It's like uh excuse me it was like 
four years at eighty two million. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean to 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 he say got Tristan Thompson money. <laughs> to say that he will have made a hundred over a hundred eighty million dollars over 18. the course of his career. Hundred eighteen. Oh no, no, you're right. No, 100, I'm sorry. Yeah, hundred eighty. Yeah, hundred eighty. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, hundred eighty million dollars over the course of his career with the Warriors. I think that's huge. I think it's the safe route to go. Um, a lot of guys often get criticized for taking money now when you can get money later. Um, but like I said, he played with KD and Klay Thompson this year. He's not KD or Klay Thompson. He He's not going to tear his ACL and get a max deal from anyone. Fair point. Yeah, if, fair he, point. If, if, he, if he suffers a serious injury, you know, he can't score like Isaiah Thomas, and this time I'm talking about the little guy. Um, Isaiah Thomas was was arguably an MVP. He wasn't arguably. He was an MVP candidate the year that he played in Boston and had the tragedy with his sister played in the, in the postseason. That hip, yeah. And then gets traded. Basketball, hey, sport, pro sports is a cold game. He, he By playing on that hip and having that injury, he costed himself – about a hundred million dollars, because because right now he can't even he he can barely get like a vet minimum contract. He plays for Washington for yeah. one year, yeah. And so he's, you know, he's got to he's got to take advantage of his opportunity in Washington to to get some of his value back. But all I'm saying is Draymond Green was on the opposite side of that, and so he was like, I'm not going to prolong this because. If I tear an Achilles, if I – he's a guy that – he bangs with guys that are all bigger than him. So, you know, he – his conditioning is good when it needs to be, but all he has to do is come come into the season out of shape like he did last year, you know, run into DeMarcus Cousins at the wrong time, and, you know, you have a back strain or you have some type of, you know, Lord forbid it's like a an ACL or an Achilles injury or, or something crazy like that. But then everybody's talking about, oh, he shouldn't have signed that. He should have signed. He should have signed that extension when it was on the table. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, I think it's smart money. He's he's in the Bay Area. He's making money with you know all these guys in Silicon Valley, and you know he's got sponsorships. I think he's with Nike. He does the the Beats by Dre thing. Like he's getting paid. So a lot of guys are making more money off of off of the court than they're actually making through their basketball contracts. Um, so I think it's a really smart money. I mean, it's, it's smart money for him to just take um, the bird in the hands better than two in the bush, right? You're absolutely right. And, I mean, look at it. I mean, the uh, the Warriors, <clears throat> I think the reason why Draymond was able, him and uh, the Warriors were able to come together on this pack is because there's a trust there. There's loyalty there. And I think really with Draymond Green, he values that more than anything. I mean, look at it. The, the, Warriors, the Warriors have their top – four main guys locked up uh, according to Anthony Slater of The Athletic, they have their top four co- guys locked up. Through 2022, 2023, right? Oh my right? god, yeah. You got Steph through the 20, it's 20, summer of 2022. D'Angelo Russell, 23. Draymond, 24. And Clay Thompson, 24. It's, oh, wow. Man, yeah. so, so, so you have a great... You, you kind of expanded the window of opportunity to add another couple of championships with the core you have in place and plus the possibility of other uh, free agents who you know 
may see an opportunity to, for on a one-year deal. Come that's play. that's that's the huge thing. That's yeah. the kicker right there. Is I think that. Yeah. I think now we know that's the window right there. Yeah. Oh no doubt. A lot of a lot of people were like, oh, it's the end of the dynasty. Clay Thompson came out and kind of like dismissed that. I, I think a lot of people still do think that. Right. Um, I'm not betting against Steph. I, you know, the last season that he had before KD came was his unanimous year. Mm-hmm. And remember, he had that season because a lot of people came out and said that Harden should have won the MVP over Steph Curry the previous year that he won the MVP. And so he came back the next year and was pretty much like, you know, what do you guys think about this season? You know, like, and he, and he won it unanimous. That was the year he put up over 400, made over 400 threes. Crazy. Um, that was 73. Nobody, nobody had ever made 300 in the season. And, and for him to be able to do that and win unanimous MVP is just remarkable. And I think this year coming up, on pa- excuse me, on paper, the team, when you have that, when you have that talent on paper, you know, not sounding like a homer or anything, the team could potentially still win fifty games. If, I I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I th- I think, I think a lot of uh, Vegas has probably got them somewhere between forty five to fifty games. Um, but I but I agree. I think. You know, it's funny. I was looking at, at at the old clip on their Instagram where Steph made the N1-3 in the All-Star game over Klay Thompson. Oh, yeah. You know who threw him that passed? Draymond. D'Angelo Russell. It was, you're right. It was D'Angelo right. Russell. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So it was, it was, it was crazy just because it was such a big Splash Brother moment. Yeah. But now it's like they're adding him into the fold. And, and, and it has nothing to do with, like, how they'll actually play you know, once no. once the season comes. But it'll be a, it'll be a pretty cool, like, throwback video to watch and you're like oh wow this guy ended up joining the splash brothers you especially know? the first day of training camp when those yeah. guys get together i'm sure you know, maybe steve kerr might have that uh film queued up or something like that yeah and i mean you gotta look at it too like this team is still a championship pedigree a team with championship pedigree yeah. so isn't it gonna be like you know oh we're gonna just be content on just letting the season play out in the motion tap this team is still wants to get into the you know still going to be one of the be one of the better teams in the Western Conference, and 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 on paper, like I said, they have the potential to still win fifty games. Yeah, and I, I to be honest, I, I mean this is kind of the last bit on the Warriors before we get into the Christmas schedule. I I I think that D'Angelo Russell is going to be a chip that they use to potentially try to pry Giannis away. In the I've future. already I've already said Giannis is going to be here in 2022. Okay. I've, I'm, I'm, by hook or by crook, no matter how they do it, when, he's when, be when, when's his when's his last year of the last year of his contract? I believe his last year of his contract is 2021. 2021. I think he has another 2 years left on his current deal he he signed because okay. it was like a 5 year 100 million extension he signed uh, a couple years back. But all but, but all he needs to do is going into his final year say that he doesn't plan on resigning with the Bucks. Pretty much. That, I mean, that's kind of the way that that it happens nowadays, right? That's what Anthony Davis did. <laughs> yeah. So the the scary thing about that is that you pretty much trade away an asset to to get a guy for a year and bank on him re-signing. Um, but you know, if you know they just signed Chris Middleton to a long deal, if they have a bad season, mm. watch out. Um, and just la- and just the last point on this, you you mentioned uh, you know Anthony Davis, he still hasn't even signed an extension with the Lakers yet. Nope, he hasn't, and and he's going to. Who knows how the Lakers play this year? He may join 
I don't know what teams are out there that he need said, center. He, there, there's there's huge rumor that he may end up going back home to Chicago, which to me, if I mean, depends on it. Say if the Lakers were to maybe win the title this year, mm-hmm. does he really, you know, does he take his championship and leave like a la Kawhi Leonard from Toronto to uh, to the Clippers? Does yeah. he say he's going to quote unquote return home? I don't know, man. It kind of depends on what they have going on. Um, but they got they got Kobe Kobe White. Yeah. Kid out of UNC. Mm-hmm. Um, they still got um, 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 Carter, uh, the Carter kid. They still have um, um, Lori Marketing from um, from Arizona. Who found, really foundational like. pieces. Yeah, they, they, they've yeah. got good foundational pieces. Imagine a guy like Anthony Davis returning home with the with the with the immense pressure of playing with the city on his back. Remember what happened um, to Derrick Rose. We'll see what happens, man. We will see what happens. Um, the Christmas schedule did come out. We're just gonna, we're gonna kind of rank these and see, see, see where we think these games will be slotted. I don't know if they've already come out with the actual schedule, but we have the Clippers Lakers, which is of course probably gonna be the primetime game. Um, the the nightcap is usually the the best game, or is it that five o'clock game that normally gets the the highest rating? I'm telling you this right now, the Clippers. The Clippers versus Lakers and the Rockets versus Warriors will all be prime time. I think the Warriors and Rockets will probably be maybe at five o'clock, and then the Clippers and uh, Lakers is nightcap, like a, nightcap yeah. like seven, seven thirty, yeah. tip off or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's typical for the East Coast games to go earlier because the Bucks Sixers playing at three o'clock is like six o'clock East Coast, so they want you know the the East Coast audience to enjoy that game. I think I think um the Celtics and Raptors might be like the 9 a.m. game or something like that. An early morning game and then the You think Knicks, so? Yeah, I mean cuz you got to remember that the, the the from this list here, the Knicks are not on here and they usually are always playing on Christmas and they're playing yeah. at 9:30. You know you you're right because the the Celtics they 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 don't have Al Horford. They signed Kemba, they lost Kyrie. Wow, right. The the, the the Raptors lost Kawhi, so they're going to be running Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry. Wow, so it's man. it's kind of just like a whatever game, but it's going to be thrown on there because, you know, those were both semi teams that were in the semis. Yeah, and the, then you know, oh, right, right, and then the Raptors ended up you know winning it all. But yeah. but I just think that really when you look at, when you just look at the star power from when you look at all these games and the star power, Celtics Raptors doesn't scream out at me like Bucks Sixers yeah Rockets Warriors Clippers Lakers even Pels and Nuggets is like they're probably gonna get the afternoon slot you're right yeah yeah, yeah. the afternoon and then I think the the Bucks Sixers get the the late afternoon I would say like three o'clock game yeah you're right two thirty two thirty three o'clock six oh six o'clock out east yeah okay okay anything else on that you know I'll say this for the fact that the that the league wanted to have Zion Williamson on Christmas Day, Pelicans versus Nuggets, like don't get it wrong, I'm hoping that the Pelicans will be you know will be good, but the Nuggets and Blazers, you I think we were talking about this off air, the Nuggets and Blazers is a game that should be on on Christmas Day. And that now that's a game that I would like to watch. Pels versus Nuggets. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I might be cleaning up. Uh, be right throwing out my Christmas tree. That yeah, I, I think that I you know obviously the Lonzo Zion Julius Randle still there. Julius Randle is actually a Nick. He's a Nick. Three that's years, right. sixty-three million. So it's it's who's the other guy? Uh, Brandon Ingram. I like that team. Not this year, but I like because I, I like those young pieces on the Lakers, and and I think if if the, the Pelicans can 
you know, nurture that talent, that they're going to have a window of opportunity. If Zion pans out, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, I, the guys that I talk to think that RJ Barrett's a much better player than Zion. Um, we'll see. Zion's a freak athlete, but just in terms of like his game, like he can't shoot a jumper yet. No, and I and honestly, and I think it's going to take him a minute to really develop you, that. Yeah, you're not going to be able to just blow by guys in the NBA and and dunk over guys like. What was it? The summer, the first summer league game when he came out, um, he looked really heavy. I mean, I know, I don't get it wrong. New Orleans dog that'll do that to you. I, I, I mean, you think? Come on, man. <laughs> but 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 seriously though, I mean, with him is like. He needs to develop a jumper, which I think probably year one, he's going to probably try to rely, like you were saying, a brute strength and try and blow by guys. He's not going to be able to do he's that. He's going to figure out the hard way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, real talk. Yeah. We'll see how that goes, man. But, uh, I mean, that is a situation I think that that's worth monitoring. But, yeah, Portland should have been in that slot with the Nuggets. Pelicans, they could have get. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting because I mean from the money standpoint, it's going to generate more ratings. But or Nuggets Utah, Utah actually had a good off season too. Yeah, yeah, you know, that would have been a good a nice little game because people are picking the Nuggets and Utah to finish in the top four of the in the West this year. Yeah, it's I mean I'm sure there's a, a handful of teams that are pissed off they didn't get slated on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, you're right because honestly, you know, the teams they picked on Christmas Day. Outside of the Pelicans, all these teams went deep in the playoffs. Oh, or the Lakers. All these de- uh, and the Clippers, you know, for the most part, made yeah. the playoffs. Yeah, made and the, and, and the Pel- Pelicans are just this show with Lonzo Ball and Ingram and um, Zion, guys who haven't proved anything. And so um, I, th- I think that alone is going to kind of give guys a, a chip on their shoulder. Oh, yeah, I'm with that. Um but that's about all we got today. Um, we talked fantasy football, running backs. Next episode, we'll talk about either quarterbacks or tight ends. Um, we'll have you know some updates on the Oakland A's um, and, and whatever else is going on in the sports world. Again, hit us up on Twitter at PluggedInPCast and uh, give us a follow if you haven't already did that. I'm at uh, JLHB510. I am at Chris C underscore Hustle. Um, and that's it for today's show. All right, you got all right, people be good. Unplugged. <laughs>